0: to the podcast of the National Institute for Health Research, the NIHR. This is an episode in the series, Conversations About Diabetes Research. I'm Ruben Lewis, a Research Delivery Manager at the NIHR Clinical Research Network, Northwest London. It's a pleasure to have you with us.
1: And My name is Dr. Neil Hill. I'm a consultant in diabetes and endocrinology at Imperial College Healthcare NHS Trust as well as the Speciality Lead for Diabetes for the NIHR Clinical Research Network, Northwest London.
0: This time, we hear from Dennis Connell, who is living with diabetes, about his journey with the condition and his patient advocacy work. It's a real pleasure to have with us
2: today Dennis. Dennis, hi. Hi, Revan. Hi, Neil. Um, i just briefly... I'm a patient person living with diabetes in Northwest London, and I'm here tonight to just talk to you about some of my lived experience and some of the work that we've been doing uh, across Northwest London in the last 13 months during COVID, working with research to help improve the lives of people living with diabetes across Northwest London.
0: Thank you, Dennis. It's a it's a real pleasure to have you on um, and to and to get your insight and input. Into these conversations. So, um, you've already alluded a little bit to your, to your journey. I wondered if you could um, take us through your journey with diabetes and uh, tell us a little bit more about it, please.
2: Yeah, absolutely, Ruben. I mean, I, I was diagnosed in 2010 um, with heart failure and type 2 diabetes. And um, if I'm honest, the diabetes wasn't the thing that really worried me. I was, I was given 24 hours to live with my heart failure. So I had to deal with some big challenges. Um, But uh, the diabetes was a reason my diabetes manifested itself, I think, was actually poor choices that I was making about lifestyle, poor choices I was making about diet, poor choices I was making about work and trying to be able to work around the country and live in hotels and not take care of myself. So you could argue that the heart failure was also that challenge. But anyway, I, I... had a period of my life where I wasn't able to work for sixteen weeks. I had to spend the longest period of my life working life at home and through that recovery in that period i I lost a lot of weight. I was very weak, and I had to sort of rebuild my strength but it's safe to say that um at that time, I was learning about what living with diabetes was about. I had no concept of what type two diabetes was until that date and I had to go away and research with with sources like Diabetes UK um, the information that I needed to to understand about diet and about exercise and about why I had type 2 diabetes. So yeah, that 2010-2011 that was quite a steep year in terms of learning. Uh, where did, I, you, where I, did you get
1: most of your information from, Dennis?
2: To be honest, I, I just went to Diabetes UK's website. It, it's so simple because they've got good resource, so much, it? Yeah. yeah, amazing research, but also so many simple little hints and tips for people who have not got a start. You know, it, 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 it's, it's like, Here's a plate. Make a, choose a smaller plate size for your portion sizes. Here's a, choose a smaller dinner plate. Here's what the portion should look like for your plate. And, and here are some really simple books, because there is a fear, I think, that when you get told you've got diabetes, you think that means you're going to give up everything that's sweet in life. Right. And, and yeah. that's not enough. I mean, I remember when I was spoken to by my diabetic nurse and I, and, she, and I asked her if I could ever eat chocolate. And she said, well, think about it this way, Dennis. When you have a bar of chocolate, you can have one square a week at that bar of chocolate if you want to get yourself better. But if you want to eat the rest of the bar of chocolate, you might want to put it in a glass box and keep it out of your way for a while because you need to you need to get some control. And that kind of message about how to reproportion things in life was quite a quite a powerful message that she shared with me.
0: Yeah. Um, And I was wondering because we we've met you properly in um, the Knowing Diabetes patient group and uh, so where in your journey that you've described did you start getting involved in sort of patient advocacy getting involved <coughs> in sort of uh, these sorts of groups?
2: I think uh, to be fair Ruben I, I got involved around about 2016-2017 because by that stage I'd kind of got over the hump of my initial diagnosis I'd got myself in a better place with my diabetes I was um, I've lost a lot of weight at the time and I was exercising more regularly so I think I was in a reasonably good place, and I and I um I got invited actually by Harrow NHS CCG to to go through an interview process because I was already a big champion in my community of leading uh, activity. So between 2012 and 2014, I instigated a program in Harrow to make sure that every park had a green gym in it,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, with the community and with providers and with the local authority. and and Harrow by 2014 had a green gym in every park available to every member of the public because one of the things I took away with my diagnosis was that people needed access to the ability to exercise even if they couldn't afford to pay for uh, gym fees and uh, Harrow's blessed because it has 28 parks so actually we worked with the local authority and some some funders and the the public health England team to get some funding in and make that happen so I, I suppose I'd I'd been a big advocate in my community of trying to help others, mm. but I kept seeing people around the corner for me at 5.30 in the morning, breaking into my local park because they'd obviously been instructed by their GPs to do laps or to exercise. And I would see uh, members of my community shuffling around the park, thinking to myself, we need to do a bit more in Harrow about this. Because this isn't, if, if we're doing this at 5.30 in the morning, because, um, we've got to be we've been told to exercise we need to do better so um, I got interested in it and then and then like I say 2016-17 I was knocking on the door with people like Diabetes UK's engagement officers to try and get them involved and then for some reason um, like I said the NHS contacted me they interviewed me I had to complete an application process for a role that nobody could describe what you were going to do but I had still had to complete an application process so uh, yeah 2016-17 I got involved.
0: I mean that that's um really inspirational, um, Dennis, just to just to to see the need in your community and to act on that. That that is uh, super, super encouraging. I, I like, you know, you have described the journey of you know, grappling with and getting to terms with the diagnosis. You've described the journey of sort of how you got into advocacy and actually wanting to represent uh, more, more more patients. What a, this is a conversation about diabetes research. Um where in your um, journey did research come in, or your awareness of research, or maybe taking part
2: in research? I think um, you know the interesting thing with the research piece is, is, you know, and, and the biggest piece I've learned about research has probably been the last 14 months because of COVID. You know, uh, I think it's interesting, and we should, you know, we shouldn't underestimate it. The last 14 months, I was I was lucky enough to be sent a letter by our esteemed health secretary. in in early February telling me that I was on a list of people that needed to shield. Uh, I didn't know what shielding was, and I don't think anybody knew what shielding was at that stage. But suddenly when you get a letter from the health secretary signed Matt, you take it quite seriously, right? Whether you you choose to or not. Uh, And I have to also say, you know, Ruben, one of the things that I've really been impressed about is that I not only get the email and the letter, I also get a text message as somebody on the shielding list of all these Things. And I also learned very quickly is that I get the information, I was getting the information two days before our friend Boris tells the nation about what's going to happen. So, you know, I have to commend and say, well done, because actually on the shielding list, it's been quite tough. Mm. Um, But then that means I live in my office a lot of the time and I have to read a lot of stuff. And the Partners in Diabetes uh, group gets lots of requests for patients to help with research. And some of that is quite interesting. Some of it is stuff that you kind of can't work out what's the point of the research, because the jargon used in the the paper that you're reading is, is not designed by people that are patients. It's designed by people who are trying to speak to somebody else. And that's not a criticism. It's just an observation, because I think it's really important that if you want patients to be involved, there has to be a patient layman's version of what the research is aiming to do in the material. But luckily, because of the group of the Partners in Diabetes and it's made up of people living with diabetes, type one, type two, all the way across London with all sorts of personal experiences, which I think sometimes people forget that if you're a person living with diabetes, you haven't lost the art of what your job is, what your profession is or what your skill is. So (laughs) uh, I think having people around you that have done research projects before who are also on part of the Partners in Diabetes group, means that they can break that down so you can think, right, okay, yeah, we can we can get involved. So the last 12, 13 months, we've been involved in talking to the MyWay team about their app and um, how the MyWay app can help people living with diabetes understand and record or see their patient record information and have a more preventative way of managing themselves, which is great if you're a big advocate of understanding your diabetes. But it's also, how do we get patients who are not... Uh, people living with diabetes who are not advocates, even interested, because there's a big spectrum of uh, of uh, research out there, and finding patients who want to get involved has been quite uh, quite a challenge, I think. So yeah, the last 13 or so months, I've I've seen and been invited to more and more uh, projects and research activity than I've previously done in the previous four years. Why
0: do you think? Uh... It presents such a challenge, Dennis. Could do you think, from your perspective, you can put uh, sort of uh, some specific reasons as to why why it might be a challenge to involve people that are not naturally part of any patient advocacy?
2: I think what it comes down to is is building a network. You know, there's a huge network that I've 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 sort of learned about in the last uh, thirteen or so months. There are clusters and groups in various parts of London that are doing great jobs with people living with diabetes and great advocacy. But it's the join up between the, um, the research institutions, the NHS and the people living with diabetes that can give that insight. That that pathway needs to be a, a lot easier to find and a lot easier to uh, navigate, because, you know, what I would say is that uh, when I've done activities and workshops with Diabetes UK, they bring maybe 100 people in, uh, 100 people, patients, people living with it to come into a workshop environment. And then they will walk around and talk about what the research is going to be about. And you do a traditional workshop. Now we're all digital. Actually, uh, how do we tap into these digital networks that are available? You know, prior to um, 2012, 2020, I didn't know about the Hammersmith and Fulham diabetes group that meets every Monday night at six o'clock and is reaching out to diabetes groups in South London, in West London, in East London and connecting everybody with research presentations talking to people that want insight about their research whether it's about music whether it's about activity whether it's about data building whatever it is it's about just connecting those three elements that i think are missing or were missing but maybe now with the advocacy of more digital action and you you know we're talking together but none of us have traveled to meet each other we're not in a studio you know, we've, we've, we're all meeting today on a Friday afternoon. Now, let's be honest, in a previous guise, how likely am I ever going to see Neil on a Friday afternoon from a consultant's point of view, right? Because we all know consultants only do four or five days a week, right, if we're lucky. But finding time on a Friday a bit harsh, afternoon... A bit be, harsh. Yeah, yeah, but what I mean is, you know, we can now do this that we couldn't do before. So how do we unlock the opportunity to reach more patients through digital channels and digital engagement to get them to realise that these, these projects are super exciting, but also worth getting invested in.
1: So, so have you been involved in research yourself, Dennis, as, 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 a, as a patient or, or, or as a volunteer participant?
2: Yeah. So Neil, I've been involved in um, a couple of projects. One of them uh, I'm currently involved with now with Brunel University. We're looking at how the pandemic has affected the amount of activity that people living with diabetes do during the day. Okay. So technically, uh, we should probably all get up and run around the room for five minutes because we've all been sat down for over half an hour. Absolutely. But the, the, the project is trying to understand that with working for, at home, do do people living with diabetes have less activity per day than, you know, they used to have? Because, again, if we if we think about it, we probably all walked to the station or travelled somewhere to get somewhere and we would have walked or, or exercised ourselves. We would have walked around an office. We would have done those things if we were working in any of those sort of uh, more mundane roles if you're working in a hospital you probably walk 10k every day because of the size of the site and the and the you know the, the geographical nature of it but for patients have they become more sedentary? have they become less active is that causing complications is that causing issues so um we're, we're working with the team at Brunel I'm working with the team at Brunel I was I was recruited through the Hammersmith and Fulham diabetes group they they asked for volunteers I clicked a link I filled out a questionnaire. I answered all the questions that were online and all the GDPR questions. And then within 24 hours, I got an email saying, congratulations, you're now going to be part of the project, the research team. And and so far, it's been very unintrusive in my life, if if I'm honest.
1: Um, Good experience so far.
2: Yeah, great experience. And also, um, not onerous, I think, Neil, very important to say to, to people living with diabetes, You're not expected to be anything other than somebody to share your insight with the project team or the research team. So don't be worried about it and actually embrace it because, you know, they want to hear what your experience is like, your lived experience of living with the the condition and some of the emotional challenges that you might face or some of the mental challenges that you might face. Because I don't think any of those things are extracted when we talk about what's it like living with diabetes, the highs and the lows. We don't really focus on that, Neil, because, you know, my my personal experience is that we, we, we shy away from that. Men shy away from talking about whether it's easy to live with diabetes or not. And I don't think we do a great job of unpicking that. And I think research uh, specifically can hope, hopefully unlock some of the myths that go around that.
1: Yeah. And, and has, has anything um, surprised you in terms of the, the research that you've been involved with, either, either positively or negatively? I thought about this actually, and and you know one of the things
2: I like I say I've had a great experience with three of the projects that I've been involved in. I'm, I'm now being asked to be involved in in the, in the My Way Radar project. I was a participant in two workshops, and I've been asked now to write a blog about my experience as a patient to to almost wrap up the project and give my my patient's view of what it was like to be involved in being asked for those questions. So actually, I've had nothing but a really positive experience. But the the fact that we've uh, you know, I've been involved in it from either the beginning, the middle or, and the end, and I've been checked in with that and I've got that ability to have that conversation, I think is just really, really powerful. Completely different to what I probably expected when I volunteered to get involved. And I think that is maybe not
1: not called out very well. So, and, and in terms of other people who might be interested in taking part in research, do you have any, any advice or, or any suggestions for them?
2: Uh, I think what you have to do is, is, you know, find out whether your GP has got any your has got any access to that information or if there's a local you know, university or anybody else that's local, put your hand up and be and be available. Because I think, you know, one of the things I've definitely learned is that by sharing your experience uh, as a person living with diabetes and helping to articulate what the experience is like on the on the research projects and what it was like for you, you're able to make an impact. And I think whether it's one or whether it's 20, you know, I've been lucky enough to be in some groups where we've had 20 uh, participants who are all living with diabetes who I've never met before. And through the power of the the digital platforms that we're working on these days, hopefully we've all got a little bit more connected and we're all trying to help each other. And I think that's another benefit of, you know, this, this concept of using groups of people living with diabetes, Neil, because... Once they make that connection and they can share their experiences, they may find answers to problems that they didn't realise they they may have or they may not have. But sharing those experiences in these workshops that we've been, I've been lucky to be part of is just another great way of helping people to hear other people's lived experience. Thank so you. yeah, I've been a, I, I would absolutely encourage anybody listening today to you know get involved. If you're not involved, have a look at the No Diabetes website find out how to get connected and find out what you can do to get involved in any research projects. Because I think the more people that get involved and insight comes into that point, the the better we can make it for everybody living with diabetes in the UK. Because, you know, it isn't, you can't sit on your hands and be quiet about diabetes. You've got to deal with it and you've got to face into it and you've got to take it, take it on the chin and and get on with it because,
1: you know, you don't want it to define your life. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a, a very, good point.
2: You know, and I, and, I, and I was really shocked Neil. I I had no idea until I started reading some of this research material. The amount of money the NHS spends on dealing with diabetes as a budget. I mean, it, it is I think it's 9.9% of the annual budget is invested in dealing with
1: diabetes in this country. It's billions of pounds, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it's it's an amazing amount of money that we're we're putting away that just to treat it, not to Look positively at reversing it or doing something really different, the amount of money that is invested in the NHS is is quite scary
1: i'm just I'm just quickly googling to see how much two point three to two point five billion on inpatient care yeah and I think I read somewhere on an
2: NHS England document that I was reading something like nine percent of the total budget for the NHS is 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 committed to diabetes yes and that that's that's quite frightening when you think about the numbers. Yes, it is. You know, and I, and I, you know, the reason I get very excited about this, Ruben, I live in a borough that is not at the top of a list of tables that's very good for diabetes. You know, let's be blunt. Harrow has a really, really bad record about type 2 diabetes and diabetes in general. And, you know, I looked down my road in the last 12 months and I wonder how many people are living with diabetes locally and, and just getting on with it because it's easy to take two tablets of metformin a day and not, and not do anything about it. But the long-term impact of not dealing with it—the heart failure, the hypertension, and the other complications that come from it—we should all do something more to try and avoid the next generation and the generation after having to live with it.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting point, isn't it, Dennis? Because uh, actually, part of our remit as an organisation is to put research where where the prevalence is, where where the where 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 the patients with their you know most prevalence is, and so we are heading in a direction where it's not just you know. responsibility of those that are diagnosed or or potentially have it is the responsibility of everyone from from the funders through to the people that deliver the research to every to put research to have the most appropriate research where the populations are uh, where the where the prevalence is so it is something that is very much on the agenda for the Department of Health and Social Care and so I'm sure uh, we are heading in that direction and so Northwest London is a is a key area for this, and, and myself and Neil are very, very aware of that, and, we're, and we're, we're we're working hard to bring as many studies as possible for people to take part in um, to, to 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 answer that. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think we've probably reached the end of our time. Um, Dennis, thank you so much for taking taking time out of your um, schedule to to chat with us.
0: This was an episode of the NIHR podcast, part of our Conversations About Diabetes Research series. I'm Ruben Lewis.
1: And I'm Dr Neil Hill.
0: Thank you for listening. For more information about the NIHR, you can visit our website www.nihr.ac.uk or find us on Twitter at NIHR Research.